0: listeners, welcome to The S-Word. Today, we are recording this from Tkaronto, home of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people. Treaty 13 in Williams Treaty land. And remember, reconciliation means acknowledging genocide and taking action to end colonialism. I'm your host, Megan Christu. And I'm the producer, Emilia Garska. Together, we represent Opsu-Safpo Young Workers. We are bringing issues that affect young workers to the table to discuss, analyze, and strategize. So Megan, what's new? What's new? Oh my goodness. Well, this is the first time I've ever done bargaining. So we've been bargaining since the end of May. Um, We were with the employer for over like three weeks, not like days of the week just a few days <laughs> over three weeks and uh, we did it all at one of Opsu's offices which was nice so I felt very comfortable and at home um, but they also seemed to feel comfortable at home which um, you know that's <sighs> that wasn't the plan no. <laughs> awesome. you're in our territory <laughs> but the podcast isn't all about me the podcast is about other OPSU young workers, yeah. and one of my favorite ones. Uh, and I, you know what? I don't care. Mercy's my favorite. <laughs> I I don't care what anyone says. Uh, I got to meet Mercy at I think the land <laughs> acknowledgement play that uh, yeah. Amelia planned. That was, that was very cool, and I just felt yes. instantly connected. We had uh, I was like, this is someone who would get into trouble with
1: me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've mean, <laughs> had so much trouble with you. I'm in trouble all the time. <laughs> but also, I I don't want to be in trouble with other young workers. So I just want to clarify that 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 whole favorite thing I. I'm happy, but that's not, you know, like, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> I'm not promoting
0: this. Yeah. We are. No, this is uh, this is internal nepotism. Um, <laughs> so I would like to welcome officially uh, Mercy to the podcast. Welcome, Mercy.
1: Thank you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I feel like I'm just, I don't well uh, i'm tired yeah we're all absolutely (laughs) exhausted and this is
0: why we do podcasts so you don't have to see our faces um this is for you not for us and (laughs) i think that we should start by asking mercy uh where you work uh what local of Opsu you're a part of and then we'll just get the ball rolling cool
1: well um hi everyone my name is mercy aisha and ike My pronouns are they/them and she/her, and I am a student part-time staff member at Obsey Local Five Six One, so that's Seneca College, Um, and I am really, really happy to be here. Like, like I'm downplaying how cool this is. I love, (laughs) love, love, love love this podcast. I love um, what the Provincial um, Young Workers Committee do, so I'm like super excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, Um, and. Marcy and I really bonded, and
0: the reason why I said favorites and nepotism is because we're a part of the precarious work crew. Woo yeah. woo!
1: Capitalism's <laughs> killing me slowly. <laughs> 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 I do several jobs, not because I want to, because I have to.
0: Exactly. and uh, And that's like something that the reason why I joined the Young Workers Committee was because, like, you know, yes. We're in a union, and that's great, but more and more of us have occasional part-time jobs, on-call part-time jobs that don't have benefits, that don't have paid sick days, that don't have maternity leave, parental leave. Um, And this is the reality we're facing as a union as our membership grows, yes, but grows um, at what cost? um so yeah that's definitely what we bonded over so um i sense you don't have a rural ontarian accent
1: no so would that mean you are an international student i am an international student but like from like the least cool country in the world um i was born and raised in london um, from south london croydon um, and I came here in twenty twenty. Um, I also had like a bunch of precarious work back in the UK, and um, it was I think for me, and this is kind of like I don't want to say a benefit, but it's one of those things you get from precarious work is that like, you know, you, you kind of get to try out every little bit of everything. You know, you kind of get to um, explore what you kind of want to do without this like commitment or whatever. And um, when I came to Canada, um, I was I was still unsure about what I wanted to do. So I ended up in some more precarious work Um, and then the pandemic happened. So I came in January 2020 and I think I had like six weeks of like (laughs) quote unquote normal (laughs) 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 and then everything shut down Um, and I had all these savings. And um, because I planned to like, you know, work here, you know, figure it out. This was like my gap year here, right? and then I just pulled all my savings and studying at Seneca College. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I wanted to do a diploma to degree transfer because I know I wanted to go to university, but like, I didn't know what. And then at Seneca College, um, yeah, I engaged in lots of like part-time roles. Um, some of them were unionized, some of them weren't. Um, but the ones were unionized, um, again, like being an international student, working a precarious job, it was really, really tough. It was hard. Um, and, you know, you talk about like precarious work, not providing any sort of security like that's why, you know, I was studying full time. Um, you know, I'm submitting like all this paperwork for immigration and stuff and I'm working for jobs. You, like it was really difficult. Um, and that's the reality for a lot of international students who, you know, even if you do want a job on campus, it's precarious. Um, and there are, n- there, you know, there isn't even recourse for like if you get fired, and that's that's part of the reason why I actively, um, you know, called up my president Janice Hagan, and was like, I have to get involved because that could be me too, right? So. Mm-hmm. And I don't know uh,
0: if you have heard of the international students that got their deportations yes! stayed actually. Yeah, so that was cool.
1: I love that. There's
0: an amazing network in uh, based out of Brampton, the Najuwan Support Network. I highly re- recommend that you check them out. Um, so that's Na Juwan. Uh They're on Instagram as well, and they basically staged 24-hour a day protests. Which was incredible and kind of, you know, hearkening back to the old school militancy of what the union does uh, with its power. Uh, Just because it was a a vintage tactic doesn't mean it's not a good one, it works. And they were able to stay the deportations of some international students, um, which is incredible. A lot of the international students from... um, India, Southeast Asia, um, work as truck drivers, um, particularly in this province of this country. And um, they're not treated very well, but they have done everything from now stopping deportations like that to confronting like bosses for unpaid wages. So it's incredible work that they've done. But it definitely shows you what you can do as a community when you come together for your people. Absolutely. Um, So you uh, are working, studying, Everything. Seneca College. Do you uh, are you done your program? Like, where are you with your studies? I'm
1: graduated. Oh my (laughs) congratulations! Thank you. This is amazing. Yes, and I I am graduating as valedictorian, which has been. I don't know how I did that because I (laughs) I didn't think I graduated. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. I I was like, I remember like being so tired, having to like got home at like midnight because I've worked like two or three jobs that day. And this is the life of like all international students. Like so when you spoke about that group who were able to defeat their deportations, you know, there's something that international students in this country can all relate to, is being too tired to work, but also being too tired to study because you've been working the entire time, right? And I remember like knowing I had a class at 9am, but I got home at one. And I didn't really have time to eat or have lunch because you're juggling so many jobs to survive. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, let's face it. Like I don't necessarily come from, um, you know, a country cause I'm a British citizen. Right. But I don't necessarily want to go back. You know, I want to be here and we can talk about like, you know, how important it is like status for all, right. Especially for, you know, precarious workers, but also for international students. But it's like, besides that, you know, if I'm coming here to study, I'm paying what three to four times as many tuition in tuition fees as domestic students, I should at the very least like be set up for success and not have to break my back so tired, like working multiple jobs in order to fulfill my education because I need to pay for it and it just sucks. But you know, I'm really hoping that um, now I think there are a couple of international students who kind of realize, um, how bad the situation really is and how unfair it is. And I do think slowly but surely um, a very very difficult group that I think have been very difficult to kind of bring into the union, slowly but surely are more and more like coming into the union, understanding that this is a place for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that also is on the unions too, to create a place Mm -hmm. for international students to feel like they can get involved. Um, You know, for international students to feel like actually my voice will be heard in this space. You know, because on top of dealing with all the other stuff international students are dealing with, right? Why would you, you know, engage in a process or engage in an institution or an environment that doesn't want to hear you? Mm -hmm. And I think that is there is an onus on unions to reach out to precarious workers, young precarious workers, international students who are precarious workers.
0: Have you ever to that point, uh, you've just like, raised a really interesting question that I've never thought about, and that is the student union. Mm-hmm. So, what have the student unions ever been a part of your mm-hmm. life at Seneca? I'm just curious mm-hmm. how that works, because myself, I, like I've known people that were, you know, very, I came to the union movement later.
1: Yeah.
0: And I wish I hadn't, But that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. No, absolutely. And I don't know, you know, I don't think there's anyone to blame at all in those situations. It's just how life works. But I often wonder, you know, is the student union movement a movement that needs to change direction a little Mm -hmm. bit to, like, capture folks that actually could... Uh, use help from the student union, but also kind of make it a lot better with all of their diverse experiences. So I was just curious if you've ever navigated student unions at all as an international student.
1: I think I will answer this, because there are two answers to this question, right? Mm -hmm. And it's always kind of like a question around like engagement in a process that benefits you, Mm -hmm. but you either don't know it benefits you, you don't care, because you maybe don't believe it truly benefits you, or you don't know how to engage. Right. And I think when we talk about, you know, so you spoke about a little bit, you know, getting involved in like unions later on. Mm -hmm. And I am someone that believes that that is not always like unintentional, not necessarily in your part, Mm -hmm. but unintentional on the institutions that we are trying to fight against. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not always made it's not always made an easy process for unions, let alone student unions to truly engage with our students. in a way that actually facilitates action in some way. And uh, I think going back to my experiences with student unions um, at Seneca, so first things first, it's not a student union at Seneca. Right. It's 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 a it's an incorporated, they call it like a federation. It's a whole nother thing. Mm. Won't get too much into that, but already it's kind of set up to not necessarily be for the students, or at the very least, I didn't feel it was for the students anyway, in my own personal experience. Um, And, you know, there are, and I wanna shout out um, the CFS, right? Um, CFS, there are some locals that do some really great work, but there are also some locals the same way in any union um, structure or in any structure where, you know, it's a group of people who are fighting um, for their rights, for solidarity, trying to get involved, trying to fight against institutions where, because there is autonomy for those groups Mm -hmm. in a wider space, they can navigate things the way they want, in the way that they choose. Whether that is truly at the benefit of the members, students, Mm -hmm. that is something that can be discussed. And I think for me, I chose to gravitate to my trade union at Seneca because I felt as though, more would be done. I felt as though um, there was a greater sense of solidarity and I have a really great president. You know, I'm really lucky to have Janice Hagan, shout out to Janice Hagan, um, as my president because Janice Hagan cares. I wasn't sure if my student union cares and I don't think that I'm alone in that sentiment, whether it's at Seneca College or any other post-secondary institution. Mm-hmm.
0: Just for our listeners, I wanna uh, tell you the acronym that Mercy used, CFS, is the Canadian Federation of Students. Um, it's a great organization, but to M- Mercy's point, it really depends where you're at. Who's d- who's doing it, who wants to do it, who wants to put the effort in? As with most of our work, um, know it's a lot of it's unpaid so when you're already precarious yeah. and you want to do uh this amazing activism that's uh that's another load on your shoulders so uh, yeah it takes a lot but yeah. that's i felt the same way with the student union versus the trade union like and it wasn't it was only because um at my union we had a new local president
1: and that's okay. when i was like
0: now i feel safe in, yeah. To explore this. But that's before I yeah. didn't. Um uh, shout out to that guy who's now a manager. <clears throat> oh
1: no. <laughs> but you know what though? But that but that that's, that's sometimes what like that's sometimes what happens too, right? Is that you have people in whether student unions or trade unions who are using that as a ladder to really join the institutions that we are meant to be, you know, up against. Yeah. Right? So it's like If you're doing this because this is like another step on the career ladder for you, Mm -hmm. then how, would you ever truly be combative? Would you ever truly like push for the things that need to be pushed for? Probably not, right? And on a side note, just wanna clarify that um, the, Student federation at Seneca College is not a part of the CFS. Yeah, it's different. Yes. Yeah. Thank. Thank you, Mercy. Yes. <laughs> thank um, you, listeners, for being patient. <laughs> but also, also, I do think that's a part of the issue too. Yeah. With what's going on at Seneca, but that's stuff that I do know there are, um, you know, other student activists at Seneca who are trying the hardest to push for that. Shout out to those people who know who they are. But like, that's the case for lots of post-secondary institutions, and it kind of goes back to this point that like. I'm supposed to have a student union or a trade union that's supposed to fight for me, but my president wants to be a manager. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to bargaining, you're not trying to throw punches. You're not trying to actually get wins. You're trying to like not ruffle feathers and that doesn't benefit me.
0: Yeah. And that's like, I think as young people, that's why we're becoming more and more involved is I think we're noticing like, like how come (laughs) This person on my executive is like drinking a glass of wine on the Zoom meeting for the annual general membership meeting and I'm here in my shoe box with my cats screaming at me and like dirty dishes piled and I'm just like voting no. Struggling, no against ratification,
1: like, no. <laughs> struggling to buy groceries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're just like the person, I've always been the person at the workplace who's like, just always vote no. Yes for strike, no for everything else. Yes for strike, no for everything else. Just like constantly being that person. And I'm like, is that why they laid me off for the summer?
1: <gasps> like.
0: And then you feel like a tinfoil hat, conspiracy theorist <laughs> addict at work, just like running around like my union activism, it
1: is a problem. I'm on the watch list of management. Like they're coming for me. Like But also that's a badge of honor. <laughs> Thank you. That's a badge of like like listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I, I know that my trade union activism at Seneca College definitely. Definitely put me on the watch list, and I'm gonna wear that with pride. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna wear that with pride. I think this is a really good <laughs> merch
0: opportunity. Yes, I have it yeah, written have down. Union watch list. <laughs> or <a> tinfoil conspiracy <laughs> the hat.
1: Oil hat conspiracy club. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or like a teacher saying, <laughs> they won't hire me full time. Psh. This is why, yeah. union yeah. activism. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and I've been asked, like, even
0: with the local, like designing a poster i'll be i'll have to literally say like is this poster too agitation agitational like it's it's (laughs) because it hurts right it hurts as a young worker to go to other young workers and be like i want you to join the union but also just know that sometimes you'll be asked to Take it down a notch. Yeah, no, <laughs>
1: That's not my vibe. I'm, mm-mm. Yeah. I, yeah, no. I am really, like, when it comes to like respectability politics, fuck that. Fuck that. Can I swear? Yeah. We do. <laughs> I mean, Dane will bleep I us
0: if we I need don't. to bleep us. <laughs> Shout out to our sound booth guy, Dane, who has to redact us to make sure we also don't get fired from the union. That's fair. It's going to be a lot redacted. But everyone's employment hinges on
1: this, person. <laughs> Well Uh. Um Okay. Well I'm gonna like say whatever. Yeah and whatever happens (laughs) happens. But like (laughs) no look I don't care about you two. I want you to be around. (laughs) We'll be fine. Don't you worry. (laughs) But like But no, like fuck that though, like I, they're gonna fucking hate you regardless. Like, am I gonna get benefits and paid sick days if I play nice? No, so why play nice? Exactly. Why play nice, like fuck that. And I think that's a big part as well. Like when we talk about union leadership, you don't push far enough. But when we talk about, you know, this bubbling sense of resentment and anger, which is definitely driving increased youth engagement in, you know, leftist spaces, whether it's a trade union or whether it's, you know, now into politics and stuff. It's like sometimes these traditional avenues, whether it be a political party, a student union, or a trade union, they have these people like, who are leading them who give too much of a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how to describe it. Like I kind of need you to not give a shit. You know, like I need you to not care about your, you know, your bag or like, you know, your job or your future job prospects, because I feel like that's the only way we can really win this fight when people truly let their individualism, you know, to put, put that to the side and let that go and actually choose to be for the collective, choose, you know, solidarity over their own individual goals or whatever. It's funny that you say that.
0: Uh, Amelia and I are in the washroom at uh, Unifor's uh, sort of educational space, and we're in stalls across from the other side of the washroom, and I, <laughs> sorry for the women in there, we couldn't stop our conversation, we had to keep having our conversation while we are in the restroom. And I basically <laughs> said out loud, like, I like. I don't think I I would ever become a manager, even if it meant stability. I'd rather be a grunt for the rest of my life, because like those are my people, yeah. and like I would rather be yeah. with my people yeah. than like navigating a space. And also, when you're a manager, guess what? They can fire you. At least in the yeah, union, I can be good. like, grieve, 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 grieve. Always be grieving.
1: A B G. Okay. Facts. All right, listeners. Yes. Always
0: be grieving. <laughs>
1: But it's true though, like why would I wanna, you know, fine, I've got jobs for I've got benefits, whatever, but like, I'm not gonna change, like I'm literally gonna be like, hi, bye, yeah. at work, like I I'm not gonna have anyone to really talk to, anyone to vibe with. And honestly, managers aren't that fun to be around, like all, they all kinda suck. So. I, well, that's what I found
0: really funny about this bargaining experience, is they're like laughing and giggling, and people are like, why are they in such a good mood? And I'm like, because they're out of their cave. Like they're, they get, they have a window now. Like these, like they've been, they've also, they're humans too, they've also been dehumanized. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. they just keep picking the wrong side. And that is not the pro worker side, it's the pro employer side. Mm -hmm. Like I'm all, I will treat you with respect, but the minute that you treat me and my cohort less than, Mm. bye, you know, like I can't, I can't do it anymore. We are barely cordial. (laughs) 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 really <laughs> 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 it's the best the manager you, you th- like unless you have a benevolent manager which like god god bless uh you know the relationship you want with your manager is just like you look at each other you go hey you keep walking and for listeners that was me just blinking and nodding that was it just a little nod little little touch of the hat yeah that's
1: it just like a look. that's, that's a look. all the relationship i, don't, I want don't talk don't, to me yeah no
0: don't look at me mm. Leave me alone. We do not
1: need to be friends.
0: Unless you're gonna give me full time, go away. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at, that's where I'm at. So, you're graduating, you're a superstar genius, you're a valedictorian.
1: What's, I mean, superstar genius.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> hilarious. Can you uh, leverage that superstar genius? <laughs> that, is that like top of the resume now? Valedictorian.
1: I mean, honestly, I am just happy with about the scholarships that came along with it cause Lord knows I had to pay for that shit and that shit should have been free. (laughs) Give me back my money, (laughs) run me a
0: check. (laughs) They're (laughs) like, and I, it's so funny that you bring that. I mean, that's a whole other discussion that we can branch into is tuition.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't. I think this. It was the same educational experience that uh, Amelia and I got to take this past weekend. We were talking with someone. I said, you know, it's so funny that they keep saying more nurses, more nurses, and yet <laughs> tuition is still full price. Okay. And like, I don't. You know, I. Is it this hard? Like, no, I wouldn't think so. Are politicians this? Stupid. No. No,
1: no, no, no. It's it's a, t- it's a ploy. It's a tack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all on purpose. Yeah. Um and I guess we can talk about like the financialization of like really fucking everything. Yeah. Right? And like, you know Yeah, the monetization of the world of, is. Of again, everything. Including education. Um, you know, um, including, you know, some of the things that, you know, were deemed, you know, for being a public good. And now it's like even You know, when it comes to education, even when, right, there are clearly goals that maybe don't make a profit, like having more nurses Mm -hmm. will contribute to society in a way that maybe won't make us money. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, the profit motive is still in the fucking way of that.
0: I mean, this is the reason why we don't have an infrastructure for transit. Exactly. It's the same reason why there is no thing as high-speed rail in this country. Like, it's if it doesn't generate a profit, then we're not allowed to have it. Basically. But I don't need. I don't want it to, and I don't care for it to. But
1: this is (laughs) like no, no. But thank you for saying that because it doesn't need to make money to be valuable. The same way human beings don't need to be productive in order to be treated with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why like the trade union movement was something, you know, when I talk about like, because I have a lot of like experience, like, you know, I did lots of organizing and campaigning in the UK, did a lot of organizing and campaigning here in Canada. But the reason why I think trade unions have kind of captured my heart in a way that I think other spaces that facilitate action have not, is because fundamentally, what I truly believe that trade unions are for, what we all do and care about, is about the fact that like, we are human beings that deserve to live and work in dignity, period. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no exception for that. There is no prerequisite for that. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to get back to that a little bit. You know, we definitely lost it, um, you know, really from, and, and Fuck Margaret Thatcher,
0: (laughs) fuck Margaret Thatcher. I knew you were gonna, I was like, she's gonna say it. We're in the room with someone from Britain who's pro-trade union. There's gonna
1: be a spit on Thatcher's grave moment. Here it is. I'm smoking (laughs) them Thatcher packs all day. I can't stop, but no, it comes from that time, right? Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, who made the entire world believe with, you know, a bunch of other neoliberal theorists that everything that is valuable. Truly valuable makes a profit. Yeah. And it's just fuck
0: that. No, it's crazy. I often wonder especially in Canada and another so many other countries like they always love to dance around this excuse and this is bringing it back to tuition. They always love to use it as an excuse and yet there are western nations that do it. Yeah. And I'm thinking specifically and I, Please don't mistake this as me being like, mm, Scandinavia, it's the Beal. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. My partner has family there. They have the exact same issues we do with a different, also disgusting flavor to it. Um, but they do have free tuition. Yeah. And I remember talking with family, uh, we'll, we'll call them the in-laws there, in Scandinavia, and the kid really wanted to go to school in the States. Mm -hmm. And all I could think of is,
1: why? Why?
0: It's free for you here. Stay, stay, and honestly, it's gonna be better for (laughs) you over time because you're likely going to end up back in your home country working, especially if you're going to the States. Really depends what you wanna do, I suppose, but I think you know and the monetization of everything i think that's why the concept of the career has sort of killed us yeah and that's not to say yeah. i love my job i i was really lucky i worked a lot of weird strange jobs to get to where i am now <laughs> same
1: bud yeah and i
0: quite like the work i do mm. so i try to differentiate i love the work but i hate the job yeah yeah, You know, yeah. like, and that's, that's a bit of a part of it. Humans, naturally, we will always do things that are weird and fun and keep us occupied. It's the, it's the mouse wheel in the woods syndrome. If you put a wheel for mice to run on in the woods for wild mice, they will run on it. Even though we've always said, oh, they run on wheels in captivity because there's nothing to do. Nah, man, mice just like running on wheels because it's fun. Like, mm. and I think humans are the same way. We'll make work mm. for ourselves. We always do because we're like, mm, this is fun. Like,
1: No, but you know, I like the point you made though because like we have this whole thing, especially like, so I'm, you know, I'm a proud Zoomer or whatever, but like, and I say proud Zoomer because we're better than boomers. Like boomers, I have... If we get into into intergenerational stuff, that's another episode. But like boomers, boomers, you fucked up. (coughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) That's why we're here. You fucked up. Okay, (laughs) and then you know. And I feel like, you know, we are a generation where hopefully, you know, if some of us don't get pulled down, you know, the alt right pipeline, you know, then social media algorithms who are aiding that, another conversation again. Mm -hmm. But. Um, Zoomers really like, when it comes to like people saying stuff about Zoomers, like, oh, they don't wanna work, no one wants to work. No, you just don't wanna have shitty jobs. Yeah. But like, who the fuck doesn't wanna work? I've never met anybody who doesn't wanna do something, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like, you know, when you go to work, especially with the jobs I've had, I've always worked um, in like the public sector um, or for like nonprofit organizations, things like that. And I've always wanted a job that contributes to my community. We all have these core values. And I like to think that we try and get work that reflects that. But when you have a job that just like fucking kills everything inside you, because it's, you know, you're basically working to barely afford living, Mm -hmm. right? It's very hard to see the work that you do and the job that encases that as a part of your living. Mm -hmm. Right, because you're barely living Mm -hmm. when you can barely afford things, when you can't take care of yourself, when you're sick, and you know you have nothing to fall back on. Oh, that's it, right? And I think you know that's why
0: community, at least I want to say words like you know chosen chosen family, have Mm -hmm. become I think more ingrained in uh, our younger culture, we'll say, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of us have. boomer parents, um, that maybe we were like, nah. So like yeah, it's my chosen my chosen family my friends who are the reliable ones. They're the ones who will definitely bail me out of jail. They already oh. told me my bail cap. Thanks guys. No Shout out word. to Kate for my no. 50 grand bail cap. She said she'd take a loan out. I don't know. You probably won't get it, girl. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah, for like holidays and like everything has felt much better in my life when I actually started focusing on those people that want to build community that aren't obsessed with like image and aesthetic and you know what other people think of you. But that's like like the
1: respectability politics thing from especially I get that from boomers especially because I also have parents who are boomers. And like you I've I've gone on the route in my life where chosen family is right for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. I really get that and I feel that in a very like particular way, in a very deep way. But like yeah, it's all this respectability politics bullshit. It's all this stuff about like if you do it the right way and if you follow the right path and if you're nice to the right people, you'll get everything you're supposed to get. But it's like, no, fuck that. I only be nice. This is shit that belongs to me. Period. Because I'm human.
0: But it's also, I think, true when you've tried to be nice. Yeah. Like I tried that. Like, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's like we've tried. Yeah. I tried those yeah. roots. Yeah. I tried the like. Okay, do yeah. I do I need religion in my life? No. no do i need? <laughs> do i need like my conservative rule family values no they don't like me either like i don't know where i've tried everything that i was thought was the normal way of going about it and it's not working
1: but even like when it comes to you know um the career path right mm-hmm. the you know, the death of the career, right? It's the same thing. You know, you've tried to like get a degree and a degree doesn't get you away, so you go back to school to get a master's and now you've got a bunch of debt you can't pay off because when you've left, well, you know, with your master's and entered this job market, no one wants to pay you. No one wants to pay you enough to pay you for seeing debt. No one wants to pay you enough to live. And then obviously inflation on top of that. And it's like, you know, there are lots of millennials, God beef with you too. that's us. Yeah, That's yes. us. We're young, yeah. young yeah. millennials. Yeah, but like this is also a thing, right? Because Zoomers, we can't sell out because there's nothing for us to sell out to. The world's on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I have this conversation with lots of millennials all the time. And would you truly, and this is a question for you too, yeah, yeah. would you truly be radicalized if you had the opportunity to sell out? Because, because let's face it, we I were all set up to
0: want to sell out. So I've asked this question to myself a lot, and I think. For me, no, because of my and for I had a really weird childhood. That Mm -hmm. is like, that's a whole we can't get into that. That's another episode, but it basically set me up to be a radical in this way. You
1: know what? Mm -hmm. In
0: solidarity with you, yeah, so I've thought about that a lot because I think I I wouldn't have. Like, if I was nor if I grew up in a normal way (laughs) (laughs) and everything had been handed, (laughs) I think I would have been like. Virginia Woolf, like depressed, like I would have, you know, had kids that I didn't really want with a man who's like nice to me, but I would have drunk myself and put rocks in my pockets and drowned myself in a river because I'd feel unfulfilled with life. Uh, So that would be my trajectory. But it—that's still selling out. Am I fighting for the people at that point? No, I'm like making tea for the neighbors and cucumber sandwiches
1: or something. Yeah, and that's like my beef, right? Is that like you know, for millennials, it's like are you really in this because you don't have a choice? Because for like, let's face it, like we're all radicalized because. <laughs> I think you would have had to be instantly, yeah. yeah. But it's like for millennials, it's like, you know, even when you have the opportunity to sell out, don't, right? Because that's the same message I have for boomers. It's like, if you gave a fuck even a little bit more mm. <laughs> than you actually did. Well, Would and the Zoomers, the Zoomers also have an
0: international perspective yeah. that the millennials started to gain but never fully um, got to experience. And that is the sort of good and bad parts of the Internet.
1: That's true, Right. international so you, solidarity you did like, well, yeah. You know, like
0: thankfully I still, because I lived rural, I grew up with a landline, I didn't have internet, I didn't have a phone until I was after yeah. 18. And that actually probably was really helpful and I mm-hmm. th- it was great because I couldn't be online bullied if you're not online.
1: That's true. <laughs> you can I, be bullied, you know what? which still happened, but not online. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't have an Instagram <laughs> account until I was 19 because I was cyber bullied and bullied in school. Mm. So you know what? Yeah, Yeah. But
0: I think you had a bit more of an international perspective that, like, millennials still were starting to develop, but maybe hadn't fully grasped yet. Mm -hmm. And that's why we still have, like, I can still have strange conversations with people my age Mm -hmm. about countries that they will say things about that I'm like, "Mm, I don't think you know what you're talking about. Because you don't, you know, and there's still a bit of that. And that's like these these assumed things, assumed biases, like what the media tells you. Whereas I think Zoomers are like, well, I'm not listening to the news because whatever. (laughs) Like, I'm not like, I'm not interested in this anymore. I'm not interested in this. And I think that's the advantages. But Mm -hmm. also like, yeah, the sadness of like losing maybe some like tactile skills and losing what it's like to not be connected and the severe uh I think the severe isolation that Zoomers can feel too. Oh yeah. And
1: yeah. you know what? Like I, I talk a lot of shit about other generations. But the truth is like intergenerational solidarity is a key part of the reason. Well, we why. have to use it to learn, right? Oh, yeah. Using but that's it why you have learn. your your president. Yeah. Like Janice is cool as hell. The cool boomers. So they cool. exist out there. Oh yeah. It's crazy. But it's also blows my mind every time. But it's also <laughs> like <laughs> Mine too, right? (laughs) But like, aside from like the intergenerational, you know, hate that I can spew because I like to start shit, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, intergenerational solidarity and solidarity across groups is super important and key to the work that we have to do to undo capitalism. Some of the lies, I think, as well, that capitalism has told previous generations, right? Because with millennials, with boomers, it's not like they were doing anything wrong. They truly believed something that was taught to them their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, that isn't that wasn't true. And it's something that I've learned from my elders in the trade union movement, you know, about the things that they've learned about really understanding, you know, how that myth that, you know, if you do the right thing and, you know, if you just focus on getting money and getting promotional work, you'll be fine. You know, all of those lies, I learned they were lies from my elders. Mm -hmm. from our elders in the movements who have taught us, who have supported us, who have held us. Mm -hmm. The same way as a Zoomer, I will learn things from millennials, Mm -hmm. right, and so on and so forth. And I would hope that if there's another generation of activists we are trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, cultivate, that they would also learn from, you know, me too. Mm -hmm. So I think I do talk a lot and I think it is easy to get into that, but the solidarity that we can have across groups is really, really important to You know, learning from each other how sections of this story that we are taught to kind of like be okay with capitalism, how it's not true.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think to that point, like, I do think that we're, and I think it kind of started with Gen Xers and like looking to that um, group that is younger than you and and being like, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And like, because then that helps to, you're like, that's amazing, I think you're amazing. I wouldn't have been able to do that and a lot of my cohort didn't, but like, I am so impressed. This is awesome. And it's like, that's, I think that's the transition of intergenerational, right? Like acknowledging like the cool parts or even the mistakes of your elders and the cool parts and the mistakes of the, and you try to, you know. Figure it out. Figure it out. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mercy. I'm have, Just some brief personal questions for you that are completely random. Okay. First up, this weekend I ate a lot of candy and I have crazy allergies from it.
1: Don't eat candy
0: in your your early 30s. Uh, That's the cutoff apparently. Uh, But to that question, candy? Salty, sour, sweet? What's your favorite? Give me your candy, Rex.
1: Sour. Sour, oh. has to be sour, has, oh, be sour. It has to be sour. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. I thought you'd look at me with like no, horror. Never. Cause loads of people judge me for that. What? It's the best flavor. It's, it's, it is. I mean, I also feel
0: like we've su- you've been successfully Canadianized if that's your, f- is that the, is that why? Is that because if you were to go in the UK and you'd say sour, they would be like, hey, yeah. OK, see, there.
1: Yeah, because there's like lots of sweet candies. I think it's more of a European thing though. like sweet candies, yeah. chocolate, stuff like that. Yeah. No, I won all of the additives, all the E numbers. Give it to me now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, my thing is nerds. I've oh, been a fan oh, of nerds. So yes, yeah. okay, cool. We're on it with you. Oh, I'm home here, that's nice. All right. <laughs> I do actually
0: find it very funny that obviously sort your uh, essence of escapism was to come to Canada when I was 18. Okay. I'd never left the country. I probably packed up and lived in the UK. Okay.
1: Until I ran out of money
0: and then oh, I yeah. came back. You're so.
1: our money in the UK is a thing. Yeah,
0: I, well. Everywhere. Yeah. That's This is the British dream, no? Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I I I. I thought you'd appreciate yeah. that. Honestly, yeah. if if it wasn't funny, I'd cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next
0: random question. Well, I'll give you the Ahmed. So Ahmed Gaed, OFL oh, Secretary of Treasurer. Shout out to Ahmed. He got this question. He got like personal tailored questions. Yeah. I did some creeping to make those questions happen. Yeah. I'm
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm not that creepy because. I mean, he, you know, he's a bit older. He's yeah. like, he's late, late millennial? Is he old millennial? Early know. gen X? He's cooler
1: than most of his generation. I know that. Yeah. That's all, he that's might all be we an have. an elder <laughs>
0: millennial. Elder millennial? I have to check the yeah. years. <laughs> so he got a hot sauce question. You got a candy question because okay. it was on my mind, to be honest. But his next question you're going to also get, which is, read a book, cozy up. Or go for a hike, a little adventure.
1: It would be read a book, and I would recommend everybody uh, read *Elite Capture* uh, by Tewo Olufemi. Um, it's a great book. Really speaks about um, how important, um, you know, identity politics um, actually is if you actually truly understand the definition of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So Identity Politics was coined by the, uh, I hope I'm saying right, Cumbahee River Collective. Um, And it was a collective of women um, who didn't feel very seen or included in the conventional women's rights movement or in the black civil rights movement, right? Um, and, you know, really the misogynoir of both as being, you know, black femmes who many of them also happen to be queer. Um, so they kind of created um, the Come River Collective and they coined the term identity politics, which actually because um, it's used very incorrectly nowadays um, is actually really about um, finding points of solidarity with other people from your lived experience and using your lived experience to really Find your politic. And if you do that, then you'll be able to find connections with other folks. Right. Because we're all working class, right? We are all identify as femme. And you know, instead of the way it's been used now, which is what um, elite capture really talks about, um, is the fact that elites have captured identity politics. Mm-hmm. And now they're using it to divide us. So I encourage everybody to read that book. It's a great book. Um, and um, there's actually a really good YouTube video uh, briefly explaining um, elite capture. Um, I think it's more more decent union. It's a YouTube channel, more decent union. I could be wrong about that, but it sounds familiar. Yeah. It's the guy that ran Bernie Sanders campaign. Yeah. yeah. He created uh, more perfect union. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. I was going to say it sounds so close. Yes.
1: (laughs) And they have a whole series called The Classroom. And um, um, yeah, the author Elite Capture speaks about Elite Capture. So definitely check that out. But It would be a book. Yeah, we'll try to put the,
0: well not try, we will put the details of that in the show notes um, so you can actually see uh, the spelling of the title and the author's name. Uh, Well, now I kinda wanna ask like, oh, I'm like, I bet you have so many recommendations. Oh yeah. Oh,
1: all right. Any other maybe podcast
0: or YouTube channel
1: recommendations? That's a good, yes, I love More Perfect Union. Um, I also love, a shout out to FD Signifier. If I ever met FD Signifier, right, we would have great convos. Because (laughs) I just, I really, really like um, the emphasis on class analysis that Mm -hmm. FD Signifier does. Um, You know, this is a black man kind of like in the YouTube space um, who has kind of, um, he does like really long video essays. We're talking like two hours, like have time. Have to have time. Mm-hmm. But they're always really, really useful and they're great because it's a really interesting uh, critical lens on the left, right? Particularly the left on like social media, mm-hmm. which is how a lot of Zoomers are kind of engaging mm-hmm. with a lot of their politics, which definitely can be debated the benefits and the, you know, drawbacks of that, right? Mm-hmm. If you're engaging in politics, I recommend you go out of your house and do something about it. But if you are choosing to engage online because you're still figuring out, that's cool. FD Signify is a great kind of tool to do that, especially if you're black or racialized and you're still trying to kind of figure stuff out. Um, I think it's a really nice sort of counter that we've been seeing, especially in like black spaces, mm-hmm. kind of like this rise of like right-wing rhetoric. right wing um, rhetoric. FD Signify definitely does a great job of countering uh, against that. And FD Signify is great because you don't have to be black or racialized or a man to really... Um, hear what FD Signify is saying. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, I have a really fundamental focus on like class solidarity over lots of other stuff, Mm -hmm. hence why I recommended Lee Capture before. So uh, FD Signify is another great person who uh, definitely sees eye to eye with me on that as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I've not heard of that channel, so I'm definitely going to check it out. Thank you so much. Well, uh, I expect you'll be back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to hang out with us today. This was was awesome. It was a pleasure, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. All right, cheers. Thanks, listeners. Please reach out to us because we wanna hear from you, our union siblings and our community comrades, so we can learn and grow together. Let us know what issues you want us to explore. This is a conversation and we want your participation. You can email us at youngworkersopsu at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. All the links can be found in the podcast bio. And please share and subscribe. See you next time.